Welcome to the perfume room. I am currently not wearing any fragrance and that is because I am basking in the scent of joy. I just wanna say to everyone who was at all a part of Perfume Room Live this past Saturday, thank you for making the evening what it was. To everyone who attended, to everyone who live streamed, to everyone who was a part of the show, to the show partners, it was so amazing. And I think one of the best parts of all of it was just getting to meet so many internet friends and faces in real life. I saw members of the Smell Club. I saw fellow content creators whom I adore. I saw fans of the pod. It was so nice to just meet you in person. There's just been such a weird phenomenon. I mean, I know meeting friends off the internet has been a thing for a while, but I feel like since the pandemic, since lockdown, that's really how we met. Anyone knew that we met in the last few years. And to just like see the person behind the handle, it's it was just amazing. And I, I thank you all for making Perfume Room what it was and for helping me create something that was worthy of having a, a live show. So thank you so very much. And if you're listening and you have FOMO, guess what? The live stream of the entire show is still available on the show venue's website. If you go to caveat, C-A-V-E-A-T, caveat.nyc, that is their website. Click on calendar and scroll to May 21st, the Perfume Room Live link. You can watch the live stream for up to a week after the show. So now through May 28th at 9.30 p.m., you can still watch the live stream of the entire show. And don't worry, I will also be posting pictures and video clips and my interview with Shabi, who is the perfumer and founder of Kismet Olfactive, will become a future Perfume Room episode. Also, side note, I have a question, okay? So please DM me the answer. Is it, do you pronounce it fragheads or fragheads? Because I have now heard both interchangeably. I don't know if there's a correct answer, but I will give you um, a parallel embarrassing anecdote, which was that when I was in high school, I was over at one of my friend's houses and I guess her family is from New England. What am I saying? I guess her family, I'm from Connecticut, whatever. I'm just embarrassed that there is a an association with the New England Patriots. Not that I care about football at all, but they are Patriots fans. And we were watching a Patriots game and I said, go Pates. And they, her dad and her brother started laughing at me and they're like, Pates, it's Pats. And I was like, but they're not called the Patriots. They're called the Patriots. So why do we call them the Pats? See, we do talk about football on Perfume Room and you can't say that we don't. So naturally I would say Fraghead, but then I keep hearing Fraghead, but it's not fragrance, it's fragrance. Although I will say, I do hear some people's like different, you know, regional accents. They do say fragrance. So you know what, what is it? Is it Fraghead? Is it Fraghead? These are the types of deep questions that we get to address as a community of Perfume Room. Moving along, because there actually is pretty big perfume juice this week, and that is that allegedly, Byredo was just acquired by L'Oreal for 1 billion euros. This very cool, what started as niche, but just kind of melded into like luxury space, was originally founded by Ben Gorham in Sweden in 2006. And the internet is very upset that it is going to be acquired by L'Oreal because historically, when these sort of like cool niche brands have been acquired, the quality of the juice has changed. It's been watered down. 
Um, I was reading some forums on the internet and people are upset. What are your guys' thoughts on these big brand acquisitions? Do you think that it makes some of these smaller niche brands lose their soul? I mean, I personally would argue that Byredo had lost it already. This is not to say I'm not a fan of Byredo. There are several scents that I really, really love from the brand, especially Rose Noir and Rose of No Man's Land. But I feel like it already became like a very mainstream brand and was in almost every luxury department store. So this doesn't feel like a completely illogical next step to me. What are you guys thinking? How are you feeling? Let that marinate for a second, but I want to tell you about our guest today, who is the founder of another incredible niche luxury fragrance brand that has just been absolutely buzzing on TikTok, on Instagram lately, and that is Thibaut Crevelli, the founder of Maison Crevelli. Thibaut is a polyglot, a world traveler, and his fragrances are all surprising. We discuss some of his travel stories that have been the source of inspiration for fragrances, the brand ethos of slow perfume. We, of course, discuss the discovery kit and those incredible blotters. Spoiler alert, what's actually on the blotters will shock you. And did you know that you can actually access the briefs that he gives to the perfumers who create the fragrances because they are all on the Maison Crevelli website? I'm such a fan of this line. I think if I had to pick my two favorites, it would be Citrus Batacanga and Papyrus Moleculaire, but I genuinely love them all and just think they're such well-crafted, well-made, beautiful, and as Thibaut will tell you, surprising and shocking fragrances. Without further ado, here is Thibaut. Thibaut, welcome to the perfume room. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. It's The pleasure is mine. I always open the pod with the following question. What are you currently wearing? So right now I'm actually wearing a new project that we have. We are working on a tubereuse and the plan is to launch it uh, sometime in 2023. So I'm actually wearing it today because we are in the final stage of uh, evaluating and working on the, the exact concentration of the, of the perfume. So I'm basically wearing it uh, today and I will also continue to wear it uh, over the weekend. Ooh, amazing. I'm very excited for that. I want to follow that up because you have many fragrances in your line. Do you believe in signature scents? And if so, what is the closest to the Thibaut Crivelli signature scent? Yes, I think we all have our own uh, signature scents, uh, which for me would be scents that we prefer to wear at a certain time of our life. It doesn't mean that those scents will not change over time, but I think that at a, at a given date, let's say, uh, we all have a signature scent. Um, when it comes to the perfume that I love wearing, I would say that now, even more than before, I of course, those are perfumes that I have created because it's obviously, I mean, it's difficult for me now to wear other perfumes. But I love when perfumes have very uh, strong contrasts mm. and when they are a bit edgy, when they have originality. And it's also the way that I worked on the, the signature, you know, of, of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, the scent that I really enjoy wearing a lot right now is uh, Hibiscus Mahajad, which is our first perfume extract, mm -hmm. which has become actually my personal favorite. I also enjoy wearing uh, Santal Volcanic and Papyrus Moleculaire. Mm. Um, and in the summer, I wear uh, Lis Solaberg, which is a beautiful lily amber uh, perfume. 
So it kind of depends. Yeah. But if I let's say if I should I should I should choose only one, I would say it would be a hibiscus mahajad. That's such a beautiful fragrance. And um, I will say the other two you mentioned, I am wearing Papyrus Moleculaire on my right wrist and Santal Volcanique on my left. So I feel like we're very aligned today. It's a beautiful uh, combo, actually. I don't know if you have tried to layer them, but mm -hmm. both scents have a quite an incredible um, creamy uh, note of sandalwood uh, with the fresh spices in terms of top notes mm -hmm. and a bit of a different dry down, but actually the two scents are also very complementary. So if you have not done it yet, it could be a good idea also to, to layer them. Um, it's not something I recommend for all perfumes, right. uh, but actually it turns out that the, the combination of the two really works extremely well. Do you have a fragrance controversial opinion or something that you feel most people would disagree with you about? Oh, it's a very good question, actually. Um, honestly, I'm a very open-minded and curious person, so I basically try every single perfume that I can you know, discover. Um, but it's true that I, now that I have started you know, to work on my own perfumes, I really feel the quality of the, of, of the, of the creations and the originality. And sometimes I feel that, that some brands, be they commercial or not, uh, or designer brands or, or commercial brands, you know, or, or even niche sometimes, but have creations which are more and more uh, similar in terms of direction, in terms of trend, and sometimes lack a little bit of originality. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the 80s and the 90s, there was a huge trend for originality. And somehow in the last 10 to 15 years, a lot of commercial brands have kind of lost that um, edginess. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really always I want to feel the quality of the ingredients, but also the originality. And when the perfumes are too linear, too simple, I kind of get bored. So I like when I'm surprised, actually. And I think it's also maybe why I really put that word at the center of what we do, mm -hmm. because I really believe that it's a matter of propose. You know, it's, it's a very central element to ensure that what we do is different, uh, modern, um, and basically it's worth being done. Since you're saying that, is there a fragrance in your line that you feel has the biggest contrast between um, the opening versus the dry down, the most unexpected? Um, actually, when, when I say there's contrast in our creations, mm -hmm. it's not always uh, in terms of how they evolve in, in, uh, you know, in, in time. Um, it's mostly contrasts it could be instant contrasts, but it's contrasts of ingredients, but also sensations. Right. Um, on top of mind, I mean, th let's say the most original contrast we have in the collection, I would say, is for Rose Saltifolia, which mm. is a beautiful and very modern rose perfume with a marine facet, which is brought by seaweed. Um, so actually, seaweed will bring this silky, clean, uh, fresh, um, yeah, I would say it's, there's a lot of silk, silkiness. I'm not sure if it's a proper English word, but mm -hmm. it has this kind of delicate, silky facet that combines really well with the rose and makes it very modern. Mm -hmm. But it's not a contrast that you will uh, discover after, let's say, a few hours. It's actually a very clean perfume, so it's a contrast that you get quite immediately. Mm. Um, I, I like when perfumes evolve over time, but... I like when the when the evolution is is 
makes sense in a way uh, because sometimes you know you feel a perfume and the, the difference between the top note and the dry down is so strong right. that you kind of get lost and uh, so maybe that, that could be a controversial opinion as well but I like when there's a change mm -hmm. but when you still get the same message right right um, there's a through line there's something throughout that remains the constant for sure yeah, and for, for us, because the fragrances have such a, a specific and unique concept, it's also important that people can understand this concept and the inspiration over time. Uh, maybe the, the, I would say I could mention Patchouli Magnetic, which is the new extract that we just launched, mm -hmm. because it's a very, very unique and surprising patchouli. Um, we launched it in, in, in February. And so I discovered, so what I do for each perfume is that I, I take inspiration from moments that I have lived when I came across a perfume ingredient in a very surprising way. And I, I will brief the perfumers to translate, to encapsulate the whole experience into a formula, into a perfume. Mm. So that's why we find so many combinations and so many original combinations of ingredients, but also sensations, because it's basically the whole multi-sensorial um, experience that we would uh, encapsulate in the perfume and with patchouli magnetic so it was a motorbike ride in patchouli fields during a tropical storm and uh, patchouli is a very earthy ingredient so here the idea was to um, to sail against the tide like to basically to take the opposite direction of what we could expect mm -hmm. so patchouli is very earthy we made it very electric we basically took it from the earth to the sky, let's say. And we have um, a very uh, electrical ambience, like you, it's what you feel in the air before the storm really right. happens, when you know they have this electricity in the air. Well, I lived 10 years in Asia, so um, though I don't like to associate my perfumes with locations, because what matters for me is not the location where, where I am, it's more how I, I, I live, like how I experience each moment. But it turns out that when you live 10 years in tropical countries, somehow you experience uh, huge thunderstorms, typhoons, um, red rains, amber rains, black rains, which are different levels of rain intensity. So I've really experienced that actually quite a lot of times. And yeah, so I really spent a day, uh, I spent two days actually in patchouli fields. Wow. I was in Indonesia for that trip. And I slept in the jungle in, next to the, the fields and some workers came to, to pick me up and uh, uh, we basically rode motorcycles together and it was a very beautiful day. But as it happens sometimes in those country, in like two, three hours, suddenly the weather changed mm -hmm. and we had a massive tropical uh, storm, which lasted for hours. Wow. Like it was, I remember the night was so, uh, the, the, the storm was so strong that Actually, the sky was white because there were so many lightnings. Wow. So as you can imagine, the next day it was flooded everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was a very intense uh, experience. And of course, I when you know, when when you live this kind of intense experience and when you have surprise, those are moments that you remember forever. Right. So you lived in Asia for 10 years. I want to touch on that. Did you live in multiple countries while you were there? Yes, I uh, moved to Asia in 2007. I spent six months in Beijing, in China. Mm. Um, I had studied Mandarin a few years earlier, mm -hmm. and so I went there to finish my, my studies. And then I relocated to Singapore, where I, where I lived about a year and a half. Uh, this is where I started my career in, in perfume. And then I moved to Hong Kong 
and I stayed uh, seven years in uh, in Hong Kong. Oh wow! Yeah, so I, I really actually um, I, I really spent a lot of time in, in in Asia, and I I really traveled and discovered all Asian countries very extensively. And when I mean extensively, it's not just you know going there once or twice or staying in the big cities. I have visited most countries, I would say minimum four or five times. Wow. And to a country like China, I think, uh, I don't know, I've visited maybe over 20 provinces. Wow. So it's it's as if I had visited the States and I had visited over 20 states in the US. It's quite, um, you see, it's not just going to uh, to New York or to, to Miami uh, once. It's really taking more time to discover the whole continent uh, in depth. Mm. One of the memories that, maybe came regularly was this combination between between citruses and, and chili, which I which I experienced in so many places. Mm-hmm. And actually we find this contrast in citrus batikanga. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the experience uh, well there's one experience which I have not yet uh, used in our perfumes, but I think it will come soon. It's uh, with oud because I visited oud plantations. Wow. And it was in a very tropical environment with tropical fruit. So, I mean, there's there might be something in the pipeline quite soon. But yeah, I would say it's, yeah, oud, definitely, which I experienced in Asia, of course, in the Middle East as well. Mm-hmm. Vetiver as well. Mm-hmm. I would say those are the two ingredients that I experienced in Asia uh, because they're, you know, they are cropped uh, there uh, and that I have not yet used as major ingredients in our formulas. You were saying that your fragrance career really began in Singapore. And I'm curious because, you know, you have visited so many places where raw materials are are grown and, and sourced. When did you get into the fragrance industry? And, and was that why you visited so many places like where oud grows and where patchouli grows? Actually, fragrance, uh, I, th- I think as a French person, you know, fragrance is part of your life mm-hmm. since since childhood because... Though I would say French people miss a certain knowledge of perfume ingredients, Mm -hmm. we still have a very strong culture of using perfume on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So it's been, I have lived with perfume my whole life. Right. Um, I was born in Paris, but I grew up in a very small city called La Roche-Posay, which is actually a famous name in the cosmetic industry. I know it, yeah. It's a very small thermal city, and my dad is a pharmacist Mm. there. And he created a, a cosmetic brand, which is not, uh, let's say, not famous. I mean, it's just distributed there in his pharmacy. But mm-hmm. so basically, since I'm a child, I've always, uh, I've always um, so connected with cosmetics mm-hmm. in general, perfume, of course, but also nature, mm-hmm. because I was spending all my springs in, you know, in, in, in a beautiful and gar- big uh, garden with a lot of flowers. Uh, in the summer, we would spend time on the French Riviera, and Beautiful. in fall and winter, we would spend a lot of time in the forests. Mm. And as a child, like every single weekend, we would just, you know, we would wear like kind of outdoor uh, gear and boots and just walk in the forest, whatever the weather. It could be raining, it could be very like muddy. Um, there could be there could be fern and thorns and whatever. We would just go and spend time in the nature. So I think I've always had this connection with wild and untreated nature and uh, so that was my childhood and when of course I started my studies I moved to bigger cities of course Paris and then I started to go to Asia and I was in a my mindset when I moved to Asia was really about exploring discovering the cultures 
um, the, the territories, the languages, uh, food as well. I'm, I love actually tasting different kinds of food. So I've had this very proactive and curious mindset to learn more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And as those are grounds or places, let's say, where perfume ingredients are produced, mm -hmm. and it's also countries where the cultures are so different, I think many things came to me. I was, of course, actively looking to discover more, but I on the way, let's say, I kind of experienced a lot of perfume ingredients. And so it happened actually over time in a very natural way. And the thing is creating a, a cosmetic brand has always been a, a lifetime project. And I think for this, I was, of course, influenced somehow by uh, my dad and, and his work. But I've so I've kind of grown the passion for cosmetics over time. Mm -hmm. And I've always had this idea to create one day my own company. Mm -hmm. But I chose perfume because I love perfume as a creation. And over time, I really got to experience perfume ingredients more and more. Well, okay, you were mentioning that it's part of the French culture to always, um, you know, that perfume is just always a part of your life. What did um, young Thibault smell like? What fragrances were you wearing? When I was a child, uh, so I started using perfumes when I was a teenager I would say among my first perfumes, there was the, uh, the classic Aqua di Gio. I, I think most teenagers wear, wear that, to classic, be honest. Classic, classic. Um, yeah, and the live jazz also. I think I, I, I was wearing live jazz when I was a teenager mm -hmm. uh, from Saint Laurent. Terre d'Hermès, which is, I mean, it's an iconic and amazing perfume, but it's also a, a classic. Um, so those, let's say, were the first commercial perfumes that I started wearing and the Dior Homme of course which is another iconic scent but it's such a beautiful perfume I love it because my mindset you know was different and and, and my 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 experience was different so I, I was not really choosing perfumes according to the ingredients but also but more for the sensation that they would give me so which is maybe more what a lot of people are actually are uh, doing now you know you smell a perfume you connect with it or not mm -hmm. And then you go, yeah, then you buy and, and you buy it and, and you wear it. Now, of course, it's very different because I wear the perfumes that I create. Right. And I would, uh, I don't wear all the perfumes that I create because I don't create for myself. Mm. I create for others. So there are some perfumes that I enjoy wearing, some other perfumes that I don't wear, but I find it totally normal. Um, but yeah, my approach now is, uh, is different. So can I ask in your line, which are the ones that you are wearing for yourself? Uh, hibiscus Mahajad, uh, Santal Volcanic, Papyrus Moleculaire, Iris Malikan as well. I love wearing Iris Malikan. Beautiful. And in the summer, Lis Solaberg, sometimes also Rose Saltifolia a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah, so nice. I've, in our conversation, when I met you in real life, I think you mentioned briefly that you um, were also in the fragrance industry prior to founding this line. Were you specifically working in fragrance? I was working in uh, perfumes and cosmetics. So I was actually covering perfume, makeup, and skincare. Mm -hmm. I worked uh, seven years in the in the industry before creating Maison Crivelli. Mm -hmm. But it was just for me, you know, my idea was to get, uh, to gain knowledge and uh, meet people, understand more what to do. Because you can't just wake up one morning and, and decide, okay, I'm going to create a perfume brand if you're missing somehow the expertise and the, and the contacts. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I developed my skills uh, and my knowledge 
uh, during those seven years until I felt I was, I was ready. But the project of creating a brand and a perfume brand, I mean, is something I have in mind since I'm 15, 17. Wow. So it's 20 years ago. So it, it's a lifetime project, yeah. Wow. Well, obviously, I have so many questions about Maison Crivelli. But before we get there, I do have another personal question, which is, I know you lived in Asia for 10 years. I was, of course, stalking your Instagram before this interview to get whatever get whatever info I could. And I see that you have traveled to 82 countries and that mm-hmm. you are a self-proclaimed polyglot. So I must ask, how many languages do you speak? Um, so I studied actually seven or eight languages, uh, which is yeah, quite a lot. Oh my God. Um, I studied English. Well, I mean, I still, you know, I still speak English with a, with a very strong French accent, by the way, but I, I studied English when I was, I think in, uh, around eight or 10 years old, mm-hmm. like as most, as most, uh, French children to be, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember like, I've always loved languages, um, because I, th- I find actually it's a very, um, important it's a very it's, it's the perfect way to connect with other cultures mm-hmm. because when you learn a new language you'll also learn to well you, you you know you learn how people think and how people react and and how people socialize and you can sit with english for instance you know even between the us and and the uk and australia south africa mm-hmm. or, or even other countries the way people speak not only the accent but the way people speak kind of explains also you know, the culture and, and you know, it, so I, f- I think for me, the language is the first gate, get, like it's the first gate to new cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started with English. Then, of course, I followed with uh, Spanish, uh, Italian. I started Mandarin during my, uh, like, uni studies. Um, I speak Portuguese. So those are the languages that I speak the best. And then I started uh, Persian because I wanted to travel to Iran and I, I, I thought it would be useful to study uh, Persian before I traveled there. And when I was in Asia, I also studied a bit of Indonesian, wow. uh, Russian, a bit of Thai. And now I live between Paris and Istanbul. So I studied a bit of Turkish. So it might be a bit more than seven or eight. I haven't counted. But basically, it's kind of a new language. Uh, yeah, every two, every two years, there's a new language. Wow. But there's definitely four or five that I like speak much better than the others. For everybody listening, my jaw is on the floor because I'm I'm just, that's so incredible and that's so impressive. And I love, you know, what I'm taking away from, from talking to you about your travels is that you don't just go somewhere and check off the like tourist boxes of like, you got to see this site, you got to go to this restaurant. I feel like you really immerse yourself wherever you go. And I feel that your fragrances reflect that so well because they're so specific and they're so evocative. I guess on a more, like on a kind of a more casual note, your fragrances are so inspired by these incredibly intense travel stories, you know, drinking absinthe under the Northern Lights, a field of iris in an otherwise like empty desert, Mm -hmm. scorched sandalwood at the site of a volcano. Would you ever create a scent that it's that's inspired by something more like mundane, like getting a carton of milk at your favorite bakery? I don't think so. I mean, no, I don't think so, because I, I really want Maison Crivelli to be as surprising as possible. Mm-hmm. And given that, it was logical that I take, inspira- take inspiration from moments I lived yeah. but when I was surprised myself. Right. And that gives like a thread. It gives a logic. That, and I think that that is what today makes the signature of the brand that is also what 
makes our perfume so different from classics and, and other brands. And if suddenly the experience I propose is too classic or expected, I think we will be out of this scope. Interesting. And for instance, maybe, okay, it could be that I, uh, I give you an example. I had a, well, it was not, it was more in the Arctic, but I had one day the experience of uh, a cinnamon roll that I ate, but it was in, a, in an Arctic environment. So, you know, if it smelling or eating vanilla in, in a tropical environment is kind of logical. Mm -hmm. If you smell vanilla, I don't know, in a submarine or whatever, this is special and unique. So, mm. you know, that's, I think, what Maison Crivelli is about, is how we can suddenly, uh, I mean, this is real life, by the way, it's not stories that I invent. Right. But I think when you have this kind of sensorial or in shock, like of shock of senses or ingredients, which comes from moments that are real, it makes it all the more intriguing and interesting. And also the perfumers themselves love the briefs because they see so much originality and authenticity at the same time that it gives them a technical challenge, but they know that it's not just, you know, a concept. There's a story behind. Mm -hmm. So I think I will keep this approach because that's that is really what defines what we do. And it also explains why what we do is so special. Mm-hmm. Are you loving this episode? Great. Well, I'm interrupting for just the briefest moment to bring you my top sniffs of the week. So as you might remember, I mentioned that last week I ordered 40 samples from the perfume court and I am happy to report that I have three that really stood out to me that I would like to talk about with you all right now. So the first one is Lancome Fig Eagrum. And this to me is a perfect summer fragrance. I am very particular about fig. I do love some fig fragrances, but in general, I wouldn't say that it is like a personal favorite note for me. And what I love about fig eagrum is that it is this like sweet, musky, sherbet citrus scent that has this beautiful green note because of the fig and also this amazing floral feel because of the jasmine. And it just feels so beautifully balanced and blended and refreshing, yet green, yet musky, yet sweet, yet citrusy. And it just feels like the absolute perfect fragrance to reach for on a hot day when you just want to wear something refreshing, cool, and easy, but also delicious. This is probably full body worthy for me. It's just, I want this to be my fruity fresh scent of the summer. Okay, number two, we need to talk about Battle of the Irises from Frederick Mall. Frederick Mall does iris so beautifully. There's L'Eau d'Hiver, Lipstick Rose, Iris Poudre. And I wanted to talk to you about the one that stood out to me the most, which actually surprised me too, and it was Iris Poudre. Now I need to say the opening versus the dry down for me was night and day because the opening feels a little bit stuffy, a little bit buttoned up. I'm getting like, you know, tweed Chanel suit vibes. But then because of the aldehydes in there, there's something that goes a little bit fecal, a little bit indolic that I find irresistible. Again, probably a me problem, but there's also this really nice soft sweetness to it. And the best way that I would describe the scent is irresistible. I put it on my skin and I swear every five minutes I was just like, what am I smelling? What am I smelling? I just love it. It feels like a modern aldehyde that I want to bathe in. And third, this is a brand that I'm wholly unfamiliar with. I will admit that I have not done more research on the brand, so I need to, but Natuno Mendeterosa, oh 
my God. This was such a cool pink pepper, leather suede iris scent. It just feels like this very like cool aesthetic, like someone who probably wears like monochrome, like the person who's wearing beige oversized trousers with a beige tank top and like a cool belt. I feel like they would smell like Menda Terosa. You know what it honestly reminds me of? It reminds me of the aesthetic of like the row. And yes, I know they have their own line of fragrances. But what I mean by that is like, you know how anyone who's wearing the row, it's like all unbranded. Like you're not gonna see a big logo anywhere, but you can look at their outfit and be like, that was expensive. That is how I feel about Menda Terosa. It is without trying too hard and it just looks and smells opulent, but in a very minimalist way. And it's fresh and it's delicious and it's iris and it's just beautiful. So yeah, there were a lot of others that I also really loved and enjoyed. But as I was thinking about which ones I really just wanted to call out and talk to you about, it would be Fig Eagrum, Iris Poudre, and Netuno Mendeterosa. Let's get back to Thibault. And I know that another philosophy that you, um, you know, operate under with this brand is this ethos of slow perfume. Can you explain what that is? So the, the idea behind this ethos was really to, I think it's the way I live. So I'm, I'm a very um, active person. Um, I mean, I, I'm not living at a slow pace, but sometimes I find important to slow down the rhythm a little bit just to appreciate a bit more uh, the beauty of things around us. It's just a matter of, you know, it's the spectrum. Like it's how you can, because if you if you live in a, in a very at a very fast pace, there's a risk that somehow you will lose a bit of focus or you will just miss things around you. And so my mindset is just, okay, I'm a very active person. Sometimes I would just slow down a little bit the rhythm, pay attention to what is around me in terms of, I, I do a lot of synesthesia, so it's mostly sounds and colors and textures. But just the fact of having this, of actively being aware of that makes me, I think, leave more things capture more things simultaneously. Mm. And so when things happen simultaneously, then you have more surprise and then you have more, more memorable experiences. Mm -hmm. Does it, does it make sense? Yeah. I feel like you're kind of talking about, and tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, it kind of sounds like this idea of mindfulness, which I think when you're talking about multisensorial of just taking a second and say, what does it sound like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? What does it look like is that yes. is that right yes 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 yeah it's really about um being constantly on a kind of a you you are you're a bit adventurous mm -hmm. you you venture off the the beaten track you go and find new places new people you you taste new dishes you listen to new kinds of music you and but you you kind of leave everything fully mm -hmm. so yes it's about mindfulness but also it's a full experience let's say well, I think that's a great segue to what is now my favorite discovery kit of all time, which is the Maison Crivelli Discovery oh, thank you. Kit. That's nice. I love it. I I am absolutely obsessed with it. I have talked about it on the internet because for everybody listening, and I'm Thibault will explain it way better than I do, but from my experience, a, a consumer experience, it's this beautiful kit. And the best part is it comes with blotters. The blotters are reusable. The blotters are labeled. Okay, so we have all the technical things that would make it helpful. But then the best part of the kit is that when you spray the corresponding fragrance with the corresponding blotter, you have a synesthesia experience where certain colors and textures and patterns emerge on the blotter that are sort of suggestive of, I assume, 
what the patterns and colors that you associate with each fragrance, right? Yeah, so we have actually uh, developed specific blotters uh, for each perfume. And when you spray onto the blotters, um, a picture will appear and disappear. And what you see on the card is actually an ingredient of the perfume in a microscope. What? Oh, my God. I thought it was just cool patterns. See, this is insane to me. Yeah, for me, it's very important that, I mean, behind what is visible, there's also, there's always like... Um, uh, a logic, mm -hmm. you know, because it's, yeah, I just didn't choose a, a picture with a nice color. Actually, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's an ingredient of the perfume in the microscope. And also the, the part of the, of, of the picture that we have chosen, of course, has a, a, a color link, let's say, you know, like, uh, let's instance, for instance, rose saltifolia, it's a rose petal. It turns out it's pink. But when you see the pink color and you smell the perfume, obviously you can, you know, create the, the connection. So they don't come, actually, they don't come yet in the, our discovery set. We are working on it, oh. but they are available in, uh, in, uh, in the stores mm. um, as long as stock is, you know, is, is there. But um, if you can visit the stores, uh, definitely I would invite you to ask uh, the team members uh, if they have them. And we are looking also at adding them inside the, um, the, the offer, which is sold on, on our eShop. We might even sell them separately because actually a lot of people are, are asking about them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say it's really an experience to try um, because it will just blow your mind and, and it's, so, it's so original. You know, actually, now that you say that, because I was lucky enough that Twisted Lily sent me the discovery set. And of course, I freaked out. I made a video about it right away. And then people were like, I ordered it from this site and it didn't come with those blotters. And I was like, I don't know. So it's it's not in the discovery kit. Uh, on our website, not yet. Maybe Twisted Lily includes them, but we don't we don't do. But we're, we're looking at uh, we're looking at doing it. Okay, okay. Well, for everyone listening, it's just so mind blowing. And aside from the fact that it is so cool that you have these zoomed in microscopic pictures of the ingredients, just the thoughtfulness of the way that people want to experience fragrance. When you take out the synesthesia aspect of it, I mean, just the idea of having a reusable blotter that's labeled. Is, is steps above what any other brand is doing. And I think it really shows this intentional, slow perfume ethos that you're talking about where you really have time. You know, I, I, I feel like I really had a chance to sit with each fragrance time and time again because I continued to spray the blotters. And I, I just want to say thank you because it was a great experience. Thank you so much. So I know that, you know, we were talking about this multisensorial element and your website also has a multisensorial element. If you guys haven't been, if you go on the Maison Crivelli website and you click on any of the fragrances, it says, I believe it says start here. And then there's audio that plays. There's visuals. It's like ASMR. You see these textures. You see videos. And I, I love how it transports you because, you know, your experiences are kind of unique, right? I can't technically relate to what it feels like to be uh, among scorched sandalwood on an active volcano because I haven't had that experience. But when I see what you suggest around the fragrance, it takes me right there. So the idea with this uh, experience is actually, or the, I mean, what we do on, on our website, the idea is to share with you the mood board that I gave to the perfumer. Mm. So because when I breathe the perfumers, I send them a mood board with uh, texts, mm -hmm. but also pictures, videos, sometimes uh, sounds as well. So it's basically the whole experience that I narrate, that I explain to them. And, you know, perfume is very abstract. Mm -hmm. It's not tangible. 
it's very artistic, it's very abstract. And sometimes I find it can be a little bit difficult for people to connect with it because we just have difficulty to visualize mm -hmm. what, what it's like. And I found that actually very spontaneously, it would make sense that I also share with everyone just you know the same elements like so the the, the photographs and and the pictures and yeah and the, and the sounds and the movies yeah so that we can go through them while we smell the perfume and i actually we've had a lot of positive feedback saying actually we have a lot of people telling us oh that's crazy like i smell the perfume you don't tell me anything but just the fact of reading a word or looking at a picture makes me feel that specific facet of the scent. Mm -hmm. So it's as if I always do the comparison with a 3D movie. You know, you arrive to the movie, movie theater, you don't have the, the specific, like the special glasses, like to, to see the 3D movie, mm -hmm. but I just give you that extra tool and suddenly everything becomes clearer. Mm -hmm. So that's more or less the same idea. Wow. Well, I, that's amazing. And also the next question I was going to ask was that briefing process. So I love that, that that's part of it. And I'm curious, how do you know when a fragrance is complete what, with all the different mods you're smelling? That's, I think, the most uh, difficult part of the development. Um, so today, actually, we have, so the, the, the collection grew a little bit bigger. Uh, so we have the 10 eau de parfum and we have two extracts. Mm -hmm. So basically the process is that I send the mood board to the perfumers. They would send, they would come back to me after a few weeks with a few options. Mm -hmm. I evaluate those first options. And to be honest, I quickly know if we take a good direction with each option or not. Mm -hmm. So I will give a first honest feedback saying, okay, look, this, this one is great, but Maybe we're missing this and that, and we have to rework it a certain way. But I would also tell them, look, this one, no. It's not at all what I have in mind. Mm -hmm. Let's not go for it. And I think it's important to give this honest and prompt feedback in the beginning because the risk, if you're not 100%, I mean, you can never be 100% satisfied with the first option that is proposed. But let's say if you don't feel it from the start, you can rework again and again and again, but there's a risk that you will just, you know, you will just never finalize it. Mm. So I kind of follow my intuition and there's a scent that I really love, but I feel like we're missing something that I will debrief. Mm -hmm. And so then there's like back and forth with reworks, but honestly, there should not be too many either, because if there's too many, it's maybe because the central structure of the perfume is still not the right one. Mm -hmm. So it should be more, for me, more about fine tuning rather than, completely changing it mm. because if you completely change it it means that the the initial proposal was not the good one you see what mm. i mean right so and then it's finalized when i feel like there's first that there's the good level of longevity that i wanted that it's consistent with the rest of the collection be it the edps or the extracts mm -hmm. and uh, and yeah after then i mean you know we also have kind of a retro planning to follow because it's uh, it's several months of development mm -hmm. and we should finalize the the perfume uh, a certain time before the launch. Mm -hmm. That's the reality also of the business. And I think it's important that people are aware of that because there's so many things to do on the legal side, prepare the packaging and so on. So I think it's also at some point to, to speak with the perfumer and say, look, can we fine tune again? Maybe yes, but is it just as good as we want it to be yeah, and if it's the case, okay, let's just finalize this one. Okay. It's, it's I think the same with a painter, you know, right. you can always add an extra layer of just a touch of paint on top. 
But at some point, is it really necessary? Maybe not. Right. And there's the risk that it will uh, unbalance what you have already done. So it's also, you know, it's not always... When you change, it's not always upgrading. Somehow you have the risk of breaking the balance of the structure of the scent. Or so, you know, sometimes more is not better. Right. That's true. Less is more sometimes. I feel like Maison Crivelli is really doing very well on social media. What has it been like to see your brand organically go viral on the internet? It's been very rewarding because, to be honest, to be honest it takes a lot of time. Uh, we work on the campaigns um, quite a long time in advance for, for most, case, for most uh, cases. Mm -hmm. uh, because for me, you know, it's also the visual aspect. It's what we explain about the brand. And I don't work on it as if it were a marketing campaign. The idea is more, okay, we're going to, to show pictures to people. What will they feel? What will they understand? It, does it make sense? Um, will they understand the stories behind? Will, will they understand our creative direction? Mm -hmm. So actually, we do spend a lot of time working on it. We still do, do it in-house. So I do it myself with, uh, with one of my team members. Mm -hmm. Um, we work on all the, the campaigns, all the texts. I still reply myself all the direct messages which we receive on the account. Oh, wow. Um, which actually takes a lot of time. But I, I also find important to have a very horizontal communication with everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so for the timing, I still, uh, I still do it. Mm -hmm. I reply the comments as well. So, yeah, sometimes I feel people don't know that I do reply messages and comments. Yeah. It's me replying. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I, I enjoy doing it I, as much as I enjoy meeting clients in the stores. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm in the store and there are clients, I will just go and speak with them and introduce the perfumes. I do it very naturally mm. and spontaneously. It's like when you go to an amazing restaurant and the restaurateur or the chef comes out and is like, are you enjoying your food? You're like, mm, do you like this fragrance? I made it. Yes. I love that. And I must say, actually, that I had a, a very nice meetings with the American clients, actually, uh, because like those clients were so surprised. They reacted in such an outgoing way that was kind of funny. And we and I've, what I loved is also the level of, of passion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, it's, it's also a cultural thing to like express the views and discuss and give good feedback and be very so open-minded and positive and oh actually I, I enjoyed it so much but it's true that when I feel that the clients are so surprised I, I love it because at the end of the day it's also I mean, yeah it's also what the brand is about mm -hmm. and I think hopefully you know people will re remember it as much as I do and uh, keep yeah keep good memories of, of that. Beautiful and are there any brick and mortar Maison Crivelli locations in the United States? Yes, yes. So we have stores in uh, in New York, in California, uh, in Florida. We're also looking at opening more more stores. Uh, I think now there's about ten stores in the in in the US. Uh, we're opening, of course, also more uh, e-commerce platforms. Um, but now the brand is in nearly forty countries. Mm -hmm. So it's I mean in less than four years. That's a pretty quick development. Yeah, that's huge. Quick, but also controlled in a way that we don't open any store. Mm -hmm. We are very selective. Right. But despite the difficult context, I think yeah the the brand is is growing very strongly, and Hibiscus Mahajad has been an amazing success. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's one of those launches that are the, the perfume gets so many compliments from people who buy it, but also when people wear it, they get so many compliments mm -hmm. from others. Mm -hmm. 
that I think we will have a lot of people who are completely addicted to it. I'm totally addicted to it, mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah. So, of course, when I meet people who are as addicted as I am, I feel super happy because it's such a gem that uh, I think it, dev it deserves the level of attention that it is getting at the moment. Yeah. And the partnership with Quentin has been so, uh, Quentin Biche has been so amazing. And, you know, it's more than work. It's, it's friendship that... Um, I'm really happy that our first creation together is getting this level of uh, of recognition and success mm -hmm. because it's a beautiful story from the beginning. And a little anecdote I will say about Habiskis Mahajad is that uh, I attended the event with you a few weeks ago. I was fortunate enough to be able to mm -hmm. go and I got the goodie bag and I swear it is so absolutely, the siage and projection is so strong. I had the bag in my apartment. I was doing something else. And like an hour later, I was like, my apartment smells like this, like tropical, sweet, tangy, like what is so good? And I hadn't even opened the box yet. And I realized it was just the essence of the bag sitting in my room. And I was in the other room and I could smell it. And it just, I think that's part of the reason why it's been so successful because you will get noticed in it. And it, is it an X-ray? Oh, yes, it's an extract, yeah, 32% yeah, uh, concentration. That explains it. And it's a very flamboyant perfume. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's not overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So it remains very elegant, wearable all year long, mm -hmm. um, totally. day use, nighttime, uh, whatever the weather. Um, so I think we, we've got so many reviews that, and it's also very original. Mm -hmm. So it's not commercial it's not it's something that will surprise you but i think people connect very easily with it mm -hmm. and they get so many compliments i mean uh, I, i don't know if i told you but when i flew from new york after the event to la in one single day i had 10 people asking me what i was wearing 10 people in a day amazing and so basically now i'm actually even walking around with a few samples in my bag just in case people ask me what i'm wearing because i Smart. would introduce myself as the as the i don't know as as the founder of the brand mm -hmm. and i would just let them discover there you go um, but oh yeah i must say it was it was it was i was impressed by the number of Of, of compliments I got that specific day because when I started to wear it of course I had taxi drivers sometimes even people in the metro in Paris asking me what I was wearing mm -hmm. so it really gave me a direction like oh this is really really a beautiful scent and it will it should work well and of course just spraying the I remember in the office spraying uh, the perfume on a blotter and I kept it on my desk it was on a Friday afternoon when I came back on Monday The whole office, not even my desk, wow. but the whole office was was smelling the perfume. It, so yeah. when that happens, you know that, you know, there's it's not just about the quality of ingredients, but the way that the perfumer did his job is just amazing. Mm -hmm. We have a final segment of the show and I have a last question before we get there, which is you have so many amazing fragrances in the line. You talked about what potentially is coming next. And I'm curious What is next for you? What is the next country you're traveling to? What are you What are you most excited about right now? So the next. So what's next? We are going to in terms of uh, launch. We are launching a new amber with Quentin Biche. Again, it's uh, a gem. It's an incredible amber which will be launched in September. And my next trip is actually for personal holidays. I'm doing a quick stopover in, in Istanbul, and then I'm traveling to Mauritania, which is between Morocco and Senegal mm. on the western coast of Africa. So it will be one week in the desert without my phone, without my computer, wow. 
to kind of disconnect, reconnect, I would say, maybe get inspired. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, to have kind of wild nature. And I think, honestly, we are so connected today that I would say maybe going to the desert is kind of a new luxury because you just you can focus, you know, you can disconnect from social media and, mm -hmm. and, and work a bit. I, I need a rest. And mm -hmm. so I'll just go to the desert and uh, yeah, do a bit of glamping and uh, discover some historical cities and uh, hopefully uh, come back uh, with uh, ideas, I guess, but also like um, a bit of a, just a, it's a good, uh, a good time for, for a break. A well-deserved break. Of all the places you've traveled, this is for, you know, all the listeners out there maybe looking to book their next trip. Where is somewhere that you've traveled that you think might not be on people's radar that should be? That's just an absolutely beautiful place to visit. Um, so it really depends what people are into. But I think one of the um, beach diving, um, I would say the Philippines, mm. uh, historical places uh, with like a soul, I would say Uzbekistan, which is in the heart of the Silk Road. Mm. Um for food, Japan or Vietnam, um, for volcanoes, I would say, of course, there's or a safari is a must done one day. Uh, Tanzania, you can do safaris in the volcano. That's amazing. Wow. Um, yeah. And I love, love Mozambique, which is a totally, mm. you know, it's not a very touristic country for Westerners, but you have the ocean. I could, I dived listening to the whales. Wow. Um, you, you drive... 20 minutes away from the seaside and you have those typical savannas with the, like, you know, the baobab trees and the villages. People are so friendly, welcoming, and it's a very safe country. Mm. And you can eat amazing grilled lobster Ooh. for like $25. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I would say it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the recent trips I did. It was a few years ago mm. that I really loved because it took me by surprise. Wow. Okay, we have the final segment of the show. Thibaut, we play mm -hmm. this game called What's That Smell? Mm, what's That Smell? I'll throw out different people, places, emotions. It can be a, an ingredient. It can be a fragrance. Anything at all. The first smell that comes to mind to you. Are okay. you ready to play What's That Smell? Yeah, okay. Thibaut, what is the smell of Paris? For me, roses. Okay, what is the smell of New York City? Uh, oh... Oh, <laughs> pot, <laughs> which I smelt everywhere. And uh, yeah, I smelt it so much in the streets. And to say something maybe a little bit more uh, linked with perfume itself, I had amazing Asian food when I was there. Mm -hmm. So for my last trip of New York City, it was citronella. Citronella, like the, like the citronella candle? Like the, so kind of the, the, the sticks of citronella mm. that you can sometimes find in, uh, in Asian food. Mm. But I mean, I wouldn't say it's the smell of New York, but it's something that surprised me when I came last time. Mm. So you see, that's why I remember it. Interesting. I love that the, the surprising smells stick with you most. And I think it really reflects in your fragrances. Okay. What is the smell of your childhood home? Wisteria. Okay. What is the smell of happiness? The smell of happiness, um, kind of a musky, creamy musk, something, or maybe, yeah, or it could be uh, like an orange blossom, but that's kind of a classic answer, maybe. Okay, the final question is, what is the smell of Thibaut Crevelli? More and more, which would be leather and woody notes. Mm, okay. Actually, I realized lately that I love wearing perfumes with uh, 
leather, not the animalic leather, mm -hmm. but more like the suede or just a touch, a bit of smoky leather. Well, Thibaut, it has been an absolute joy to interview you. Thank the you so much mine. for making the time. I know you've had an insane schedule, so I appreciate it. Where can people listening shop for Maison Crevelli? So actually, we have the list of all uh, boutiques on our website, be it in the US or other countries. So I would just invite you to uh, have a look at uh, our website. There's uh, the, the list of all the points of sale. Um, yeah, I mean, we have uh, nearly 40 countries which uh, are selling the brand now. So I would say the best is just to find the nearest location um, to, your, to your hometown. So MaisonCrivelli.com, right? Yes, MaisonCrivelli.com slash EN for the English version, yeah. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much, Thibault. Thanks to you. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peake. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 